my name is Thea, and I am really excited that you're all here with us today. Um, there are some exciting things that are happening here at Redeemer, um, not just uh, Holy Week, but really just in, in the life of this church. Um, so today is our third Sunday of three services, uh, which is just fantastic. Thank you for shifting your schedules in order to make a little bit more room for other people. Thank you to those of you who are stepping up to lead and to serve to make this possible. Um, it's really exciting that we are creating this space for so many more people to come and get connected to Jesus Christ and to one another. Um, you may also know that we're launching a preschool in the fall, which is just a wonderful and fantastic opportunity to not only plant some uh, little bitty seeds in the minds of little bitty ones about the love of Jesus, but it's also an opportunity to really connect with these families, um, families that are moving to this area, who are living in this area, and as you know, there's an abundance of those, and so we are really excited about that opportunity to, to connect. Um, these are just some of the small things that God is up to here in this community. Um, we know that there are even greater and bigger things to come. And if I'm really honest, sometimes I get a little overwhelmed about how much is going on. The bigness that God is up to and the things that God is doing through this church. And yet when I get overwhelmed by those thoughts, then I'm reminded of you. And your willingness to say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Yes, I will step up and serve in that way. Yes, I will join God's mission through this church. And that is really, really exciting. Today, we're going to continue in our series, Lead Me, where we've been discussing what it means to truly be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to ask Jesus to lead our hearts, to lead our lives, to lead our minds, and today we're going to talk about asking Jesus to lead us to lead others. And this co collaboration of leadership with discipleship is actually something I get really excited about. One of my favorite things to do is to identify and to equip and empower and emancipate leaders to do what they do, to utilize their gifts and talents and skills and time and energy to make God's work happen. I'm amazed that this God, the creator of all the universe, with all um, means at God's fingertips, still chooses us to make God's mission happen. And so before we begin to discuss that and dive into some scripture, I'm going to ask that you would pray with me. Great God and creator of all things with the entire universe at your fingertips, God, we are in awe that you would invite us into a relationship with you that you would invite us to follow you, that you would willingly lead us. You would willingly lead our hearts and our minds and our lives. And Lord, you would even willingly lead us to lead others to you. Lord, this morning we pray that your voice would be the loudest that we hear, that your words would speak louder than our concerns and our thoughts and our worries and our fears. And Lord, that in this time we could just turn our whole hearts to you, to hear you, to know you, and to hear what it is that you have for us. Your gracious followers, you are our loving Lord. Amen. So in preparing for this sermon today, and really just lately in my work here at Redeemer, I've just been asking myself and thinking a lot about, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? How did I get to this place in my faith? What is it that has led me to this relationship with Jesus? What is it that has led me this far in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I think about that, I can definitely name a few instances that really stick out. 
I had the amazing opportunity to spend a whole year in the Czech Republic as a full-time volunteer. And in that time, I noticed that God not only picked me up out of the mess of my life that it was at that time and took me across the world, but God really began to show me how big God is. And that God not only protects and provides, but God has really awesome things out there for me to see. And once I came back home, I joined a church for the first time. And I can see there that just coming to worship regularly and listening to the word over and over each week was really formative to help me understand what it is more about this God and God's people. And in that time, I also joined a Bible study, my first formal Bible study as an adult and I learned that reading the Bible is more about just understanding the words on the page, but really dissecting and um, discussing and studying what these words meant when they were originally written, what these words meant to the original hearers, and what do they really mean for us today? And while those, those experiences are definitely very formative in my faith, I can definitely point that they are very impactful on who I am today as a Christian when I really think about that question, how did I get to this place? The answer is the people. The people that have been willing to come alongside me on this journey, to do more than just pray for me, but pray with me, to show me and to lead me what it's like to truly be in a relationship with Jesus and allow me to be fully who I am in that relationship. One of those people is Pastor Deborah. She was the pastor at the first church that I joined, and quite simply, from the beginning, Pastor Deborah saw me. She saw me, a mess of a girl, and she made me a priority. She made time for me. We spent hours in her office just trying to sort through all of the doubt and confusion and questions that I had. And in that time, she not only allowed me to be who I really was, to have these questions and worries, but she revealed her own doubts and worries and even mistakes and that vulnerability and that authenticity just began to show me the generosity of God's love and that possibly God might have something good in store. Pastor Deborah also invited me to lead. So she invited me to be a part of the uh, party committee, which meant I got to set up and decorate and clean up after every fun event that we did. <laughs> she also invited me to lead a small group of young families on Friday nights where we'd meet together and just talk about what this life with Christ really looked like. She even invited me to lead on Sunday mornings up in front where all that really important God stuff was happening. In this time together, she showed me that despite my mistakes, despite my faults, despite the ones that I would continue to make, God was good and God had goodness in store for me. I want you to think for a minute who these people might have been for you. Who has been willing to come alongside you on this journey? Again, do more than just pray for you, but pray with you. To lead you, to teach you, to model for you what a life in faith looks like, and allow you to even stumble along the way. When you ask most Christians who, what it is that has been the most faith-formative, most will answer at least one or two people have been willing to lead them to a life in Christ. And that's what I want to talk with you about today, is this, this question that we can ask Jesus to lead us into leading others. We're going to look again at Matthew 4, 18 through 25. 
We actually looked at this a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus leading our life. And in this original call narrative, we talked about how the fishermen were willing to drop their nets, drop everything, and follow Jesus. But what I want to do today is I want to look exactly at what Jesus says to these men. In this initial invitation, in this call to follow him, what are the words that Jesus uses that helps us understand what's really in store? If you did not bring your own Bible, that is okay. You can pull out one in the seat in front of you. You are also more than welcome to pull out your smartphone and pull it up that way. Um, we're also going to have it on the screen. So we're at Matthew 4, 18 through 25. Let's see what it says today. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pains, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed What we've been talking about in this series, Lead Me, is we've been talking about what it really means to be a disciple. What did it mean in the first century to the Jewish culture, and what does it really mean for us today? And one of the things that we've talked about is how this, this invitation to follow a rabbi was actually really, really uh, elite. It was an elite intellectual offer. It was actually an elite spiritual offer. It was something that we could kind of look like today as maybe like a doctorate of theology, a doctorate of ministry. But actually, it was so much more than that, because it wasn't just listening and, and, and studying the words of a rabbi and then somehow kind of regurgitating that into, into your own words. When you were called to be a disciple of a rabbi, you would literally walk in his footsteps, modeling and understanding every single aspect of this rabbi's life. Your goal was to, to really observe and take on every piece of who this rabbi is until eventually you yourself are just like the rabbi. Well, as Christians, the same is very true. It is so much more than just listening to a few sermons and reading the word and thinking of our own ideas about what it might mean. But when we as disciples of Jesus agree to follow this Jesus as our rabbi, we are to also walk in the exact same footsteps of Jesus. We are to study the entire life of Jesus. We are to become just like Jesus. And in this initial call, in this initial invitation to follow me, Jesus tells us exactly why. Jesus says, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. This is the first full set of words that he uses in inviting his disciples, and these are key. Follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. You will be such a great teacher that people will be drawn to you. 
He clarifies the mission exactly that for us who are following Jesus as disciples who are called to Jesus, that we are called to lead others to Jesus. And if you're ready to stop listening, that's okay. I want you to hear these last few words. If you don't remember anything else that I say to you today, do remember this. Disciples make disciples. Being a disciple of Jesus means making other disciples, leading others to be transformed by Jesus. And this simple phrase, follow me, I'll send you out to fish for people, Jesus clarifies from the very, very beginning that it's not all about us. There is a greater mission at store, and our goal is to reach others. Jesus has plans for goodness and to reach people for lives that will be changed through us. And we actually see this idea of Jesus reaching well past the disciples with his ministry and his teaching and his healing throughout the Gospels. Over and over, although while he, is, he does take time to teach uh, privately to the disciples, Jesus is repeatedly reaching out to others around them, those who are sick, those who are hungry, those who are blind. And those are the people that he instructs and leads his disciples to be with. We can also see in the book of John, chapter 21, 15 through 17, we read a conversation that Jesus is having with Peter. And this actually conversation happens at the end of the book of John. This is after Jesus has already died and resurrected. And these are kind of his final instructions to Peter just before he ascends into heaven. We read, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. In this conversation, we see that Jesus is, is demanding that Peter not only affirm and confirm, but prove his love of Jesus by the way that Peter deals with the other people. He is calling Peter to feed the sheep, to love God's people, to tend to these people who do not yet know this Jesus. I believe Jesus is saying to Peter, if you love me, lead my people to me. And at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we see the final words of Jesus again. When he's uh, with his disciples again, just before he ascends to heaven in 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says to them, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So from the initial call of come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people throughout Jesus's ministry. And here in the final last words he gives his disciples, we are instructed to go and make disciples. We are called to much more than our own comfortable understanding, our own comfortable relationship with God and God's plan. We are 
God's blessings. We are, in fact, commanded to feed God's sheep, to love God's people, to lead others to know Jesus. Because we know that when we are encounter this Jesus, the true life transformation can happen. Being a disciple requires us to lead others to know this Jesus. Being a disciple requires you to make disciples and to lead them into a life-transformative relationship with Jesus. And now for all of you who feel like that is a pretty heavy ask, that that's a really big burden that you're not quite sure you're ready to take on, let me assure you this. Being a disciple who leads others to Jesus is actually a gift. When we are willing to lead others to Jesus, we get a closer look at the magnificence of God. I think about the disciples who get to walk right alongside Jesus throughout his ministry. They have an up-close and personal view of how great this God is. They are the ones who see the depths of agony and pain and sickness and even death that the people are in, and they are the ones who instantly see those lives transformed time after time after time. I think about whenever Jesus feeds the 5,000 on a hill. It's the disciples who are aware of how little they actually start out with, just a few fish and a few pieces of bread. And it's the disciples who see Jesus do the miracle of multiplying this little amount into more than enough to feed all of these people. It's the disciples who are picking up the extra pieces, 12 baskets full, shaking their heads, I'm sure, in disbelief at the power of this Jesus. Because you see, as disciples willing to lead others to Jesus, you get an up-close, personal look. Your, your relationship with Jesus becomes so much more than just how you are affected, and you get to see the lives of others completely transformed. You get to see the miraculous work of God in lives. Google says that there have been 93 million selfies taken since 2014, and that every third photo taken by someone 18 to 24 years old is a selfie. And I am not knocking a good selfie. There are some days where your hair is looking fantastic or you are just doing something really, really cool that a selfie is surely warranted. But I think we can agree that these statistics are just a glimpse into how self-focused, how self-reliant, and how self-invested we have really become as a culture. And when I think about this in connection to Christ, I can definitely see times where I have become a selfish Christian brat. I have been consumed with all of God's goodness for me, all of God's blessings for me, all of God's forgiveness for me, and yet unwilling to share that with those around me. I can see where I have asked questions like, well, what's in it for me, or where am I going to be fed, instead of asking who else might be changed by this Jesus, whose life? Does God want to change through me? Here at Redeemer, we have an abundance of young people excited about Jesus. From younger than preschool through high school, we have young people that are just eager 
and willing to learn more about God and about this Jesus and about how God might be at work in their life. They're also eager and excited to learn how to be in Christian community, how to get along with one another and how to really live out loud these principles. How might you be willing to take a closer look at the life transformation that God is doing in their lives? How might you be willing to lead these young people to a deeper understanding of who God is and how God has great, great plans for them? I have the great honor to talk with a few young people who are um, asking to be uh, baptized this Easter. And one of them, he is only in kindergarten, and he shared that he wants to be baptized because Jesus was baptized. And he knows that this is an opportunity to stand up in front of all his friends and family and really the whole world and say, I am a Christian. No matter my mistakes that I've made, no matter the ones that are to come, I am saved by the love of God, and God has good things in store for me. How might you be willing to take a closer look at what God is doing in the lives of these young people? We also have a fabulous growth group ministry here where adults and families and couples are willing to come together and talk about the word and their lives with Christ and their struggles and their worries together. Growth group leaders open up their homes, they open up their schedules and their hearts to allow people to dive into who this Christ really is and how this Christ might be at, life, at work in other people's lives. And in these groups, we find adults for the first time reading the word of God, for the first time sharing the depths of their souls, their biggest mistakes and regrets, and how God is transforming that into beautiful messages of hope and restoration. How might you be willing to take a step closer to the life transformation that God is doing in these adults, in these families? How might you be willing to see how God might transform and lead others through you? And here's the part that I want you to really hear as well. And this is the part, I'll be quite honest, that I need to be reminded of a lot. That in all of this leading that we are led to do, in all of this glorious of, of leading others to a life-transformative relationship with Jesus, the secret is, and the good news is, Jesus does the work. And all of our insecurities and all our failures and all the times we feel like we're just not enough, that's okay. And it really doesn't matter. I was in a room of some church leaders recently talking about this very topic of leadership and discipleship together. And one woman raised her hand and said, you know, I'm not a leader. I don't have some charismatic speaking voice. I don't have the ability to get people behind me on a great idea. I don't even know if I want the weight of that burden. And I think about that at my own times where I am sitting in this place overwhelmed at the gloriousness of what God is doing, overwhelmed by 82 children here in one service and thinking, who do you think I am, God? I can't possibly do this. Well, the answer is if you have those same worries, if you have those same doubts and confusion, it doesn't matter because Jesus does the work. In these big fears, in these big um, overwhelming 
places where God just feels like he's asking too much of us, we have to realize that it's God who shows up and does the transforming. All of your mistakes and worries and insecurities and less thans really don't matter. God has the power to overcome that very, very easily. God does the work. We see in our, final, in, in our passage today in the final lines where um, it's Jesus that goes throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. It's the news about Jesus that spreads all over Syria and people brought to Jesus all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, through every single miracle, no matter the, the insecurities and the downfalls of those disciples, Jesus does the saving We also talked about in, in John when Jesus has the conversation with Peter about feeding his sheep and leading his people. Earlier in that chapter, we find Peter and, his, and the disciples fishing on a boat. Again, Jesus has already been crucified, and I imagine that Peter is pretty distraught, so he goes to do the one thing that he knows how to do. And yet he can't even do that well. He's been fishing all night and catching nothing. And Jesus calls out to Peter, throw your net on the other side. It's in 21.6, John 21.6, he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And what I think is key to notice here is that Paul, Peter did not instantly become a better fisherman. He didn't instantly now know where the fish would be and how he could catch them well. No, Jesus fills the net with the fish. The fish are drawn not to Peter, but to Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, throughout the stories, it is Jesus who is doing the healing. It is Jesus who is putting his hands on people and changing their life. It's the encounter with Jesus that truly leads to a life transformation of other people. And what I want you to hear from that is this, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be perfect, you don't need a seminary degree to lead others to Jesus. As disciples who make disciples, you do not have to have all the right answers. All of your doubts and all of your worries really don't matter because it's Jesus who is doing the work. Skip Moen is an online scholar, and he said it like this, your techniques have nothing to do with it. You're wasting your time if you think that you are the one responsible for soul winning. The very phrase insults the power of God. You don't have a thing to do with actually saving someone. Because the truth is God accomplishes the mission. God brings salvation. And again, what an honor that this God of the entire universe would choose us to do this work through. Just as Jesus promises to be the one to send us out, Jesus also promises to be with us to the end of the age. It is not 
all on your shoulders. Jesus is doing the sending, and Jesus is with you. Thinking back to those people who have been influential for you, those people who have been willing to come alongside you and lead you and teach you, I'm pretty sure that they did not set out with the mission to save your soul. But they did set out with intention to be willing to lead you into a life with Christ, to be willing to be honest and to let you be honest, be willing to open up their time and their schedule and their life, to show you what a life with Christ might be like so that you might know this life-transformative Jesus as they do. No matter the size of your flock, no matter the long list of your inabilities or insecurities, I encourage you to take a little step closer to what it is that God is leading you to do, what God is leading you, how God is leading you to lead others. Be willing to lay down some of your own insecurities, your own needs, and be willing to take that closer look to see how God might transform the lives around you. And how amazing is it that to know that you might be the very first encounter with Jesus someone has. As we, as we leave today and as we continue to pray for Jesus to lead us, to continue to lead our hearts and our minds and our lives, I'm also going to ask you to pray for God to lead you to lead others, to show you where you can step up, you can step in and get a closer look of who this God is and the miraculous powers that God is up to, how you can uh, surrender to let God truly do the work, to overcome your securities and anxieties and let God do the saving in your life, and take this directive to go and make disciples seriously. Will you pray with me? Gracious and good God, who is uh, so big and magnificent, God, we are mere humans, and yet you know all of our faults, all of our powerlessness, all of our uh, fears, all of the things that we have decided will not let us uh, lead others to you. Lord, we, um, as, as your disciples, as those truly desiring to follow you with our whole lives, to do more than only study your words, but to really become like you, God, we ask that you would lead us to lead others. Show us the, the people in our life that need you, that need to know the life-transformative relationship that you offer, Lord, and lead us to be brave enough to share all of who you are and to give them space to share who you are in them as well. Lord, give us the power to rely on you, to trust that it is you that is doing this magnificent work and to be honored by your invitation for us to be a part of it. Lord, as your church, we pray these things in full confidence that you are our God and our Savior and our Lord, and that we can trust in you with our whole heart as we ask you to lead us. Amen.